This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Crunch Time for Red Rooster. Seize the cheese. Try the new triple cheeseburger today. Limited time, so getting fast. The Rooster's calling. And for the new Navara at Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan. Slim takes a very fine mark. This is off to Green. So Toby Green found a way to 51. He unloaded at the goal front and got it. This is a star, isn't it? Toby Green strikes early. Here goes Keith with a fist. Ground level Hunter to Bontempelli. He stands up and kicks the goal that puts the dogs up by 16. He puts the gap in the game. Fisted forward the forward by Martin and then the same for Dunkley. Johannesson, his liver thrusting forward, Come running to the 50. A vacant goal square. <laughs> and Liberatore says thank you very much. He's kicked his second. English the tap to Liberatore, out the front to Dunkley and now to Trelaw on the fly from 50. It's his long suit. He steadies up and pumps it through. They ended up winning 15-14, 104 to 9-11-65. They kicked nine goals in the last quarter wow. to three from the Giants as the game really opened up. But they get the job done, the Dogs, and they are still undefeated, the only team, six from six. Such an enormous effort by the boys to, to break loose like we did in the last quarter from that. You know, it was... You know, it all just all came together through stealth and through their work ethic. So, yeah, it's a, it's a terrific win in the end. A last quarter onslaught sees the Bulldogs further their winning ways on a night minus the forecast aggression and spice. But there is a cost to count ahead of the ultimate test against the Tigers. Captain Marcus Bontempelli is our headline guest. We need to do everything we can to protect our way of life. That's why from midnight tonight... Perth and Pill will enter a three-day lockdown over the long weekend until midnight on Monday night. So currently we're in uh, we're in the hotel. We were lucky enough to be allowed to train a little bit this afternoon and uh, we'll be in the hotel until we jump on the bus tomorrow and head to the game. We do have current travel arrangements already in place, but um, I think the AFL and the club are currently just working through what the, the options may look like. So um, we're very hopeful and expecting to get home at least by Sunday night. The complications of COVID as Perth goes into a snap lockdown. Sam Edmund has all the latest developments and will touch base with the affected clubs. It's all about the club, what is right for the club and what's best for the club. It's not what's best for the individual or somebody wants thinks it's their turn to be president. I think Nathan's fantastic. We're going to do the, the process properly. Like we said, we're just going to do what's in the best interest of everybody. No, I won't be sitting down with Mark about my position. I'm pretty sure that Mark will be sitting down with um, Mark Anderson and Riley to make sure that the, the club is tracking in the direction that they the, and the, the vision that the, that the board sees fit. 
And Collingwood's week at the forefront of discussions. A new president amid civil unrest, while Nathan Buckley's future remains an ever-present discussion. This is Crunch Time. It is a frantic morning on a number of fronts. We're going to talk to the Magpies and the Eagles in particular. And Sam Edmonds has been working the phones to bring you the latest in the COVID situation, which you'll be well schooled by now. It changes by the half hour. And we'll touch base between meetings with the football boss at both clubs to get a picture of what lies in store this weekend and beyond. It's not quite as simple as just staging games across Saturday and Sunday. Jared Waitley with you on Crunch Time. Nick Del Santo was the man on the ground last night in Canberra. He's got rid of the woolies. <laughs> He's run the tan to warm up. Del, great to have you here. Very good morning to everybody. Lovely to be back and just thawing out slowly. It was uh, it was a fresh night. I think the only people that weren't cold last night were the players. It was the 11,000 people in the crowd and it was a good healthy crowd. Um, we were the ones that were struggling a little bit. A really entertaining game of football, a different style of football, which we're now starting to see off the back of the first month and the speed of the game, whether it is just slightly diverting a little bit. But once again, all credit to the dogs and the way that they finished it off. And I think they're slowly starting to build that finals sort of brand of football again. It may take till the last moment of a game, but they played that out really nicely. Six last, uh, six goals in a row to finish the game off and nine last quarter. They were exceptional. You had proper inner sanctum access by accident last night, so we look forward to hearing <laughs> yes. that story. Yes. Craig Jennings is our strategy coach. Craig, welcome back. Thanks, Jared. You know that I love a Luke Beveridge football theme and I love my books, so the inner sanctum stuff from Dell, I can't wait to hear the inside story of what took place after the game. What caught your eye last night? Yeah, I was really interested in at three-quarter time. I just thought uh, GWS were a real opportunity. Uh, you were talking about the cold weather, Dell, and, and dogs at 5-0, and o, how hard they would go in that last quarter, what it would mean to them, and, and GWS really hanging in there in terms of season context. But uh, what I saw last night with the dogs, they're right on track in terms of repeating their, their 2016 season. So Marcus Bontempelli is going to join us just after 12. There's a lot to work. There's a big checklist you could almost build your own checklist last night as the Perth scenario revealed hmm. itself. Sam Edmonds, welcome. Great to be with you, Jerry. Good morning, Dell. Good morning, Craig. And we might have to revisit the dogs from an injury sense as well because yes. it did come at a big cost last night. But uh, speaking of cost, there's plenty happening at the moment on the COVID front, Jared. So a piece at a time. Will West Coast and Geelong go ahead this afternoon? It will. West Coast's uh, travelling party were cleared this morning. So all their tests came back uh, clear, which is great news. They're also clear to take off and return home after the game game tonight as well. The AFL just about an hour ago, half an hour ago, finally approving that formally. So they'll get back on that charter flight they came east on and they'll be able to get back to Perth, the Eagles. So no hedging to keep them in Melbourne to see how it develops, as was the case with the Lions? No, not at the moment, although they're hedging their bets, the AFL, with North Melbourne. They're still working through them at the moment. Still no clarity around when or how they will get back to Victoria. And then we'll talk about round seven, which is probably the real watch this space, the game down in Tasmania a little bit later on. But no, West Coast cleared to take off from their game tonight. Not the case for North Melbourne yet. How did Collingwood get tangled in it? Well, they played in Perth last week. That's just uh, the, the case of bad luck that has befallen them. Now, their training session for today was cancelled because all their players and staff who did make that trip to Perth to face West Coast were ordered to undergo a COVID test this morning. So they're isolating at the moment until they receive a negative. I think everyone expects that to be the case. But until it happens, they are isolating at the moment. It won't take long. Dorovich is the partner that the AFL have engaged in. and They pay for each and every test. 
to get that expediency and uh, relieve the burden on the public. That was the initial motivation for this. So it's something like $100 a test that the AFL fork out. So Collingwood have done all that. I think the results will come back clear. It won't be too long. Collingwood's VFL game, of course, will proceed against Essendon at Victoria Park at 2 o'clock today. But... Of course, anyone like those who can't train today, anyone who has travelled with the Pies for that game against West Coast can't play in the VFL today. Now, it only affects one player, and that player has been withdrawn, and that's Braden Sire, who was the medical sub against the Eagles, but he'd been named to play in the twos today. So, unfortunately for Braden Sire, he will not be playing. Fremantle get to stage their game, but it's their showpiece home and away fixture of the season, the Len Hall Memorial match, and they'll do it without a crowd. They will, which is unfortunate for them. There's a lot in this for them financially, the Dockers. I think they were budgeting on a crowd of north of 50,000 for this game against North Melbourne. So the way it's working in Perth is... The, the no crowd comes into place today. So there was an NBL game last night, fans free to attend. There was a Super Rugby game, fans free to attend. I had a look at the Wildcats-Bullets game in the NBL. RAC Arena holds 14,500 for an NBL game. It was the public's choice as to whether they decided to show up or not. They got 4,000 there, Jared. So okay. I think that probably surmises or sums up the mood in Perth at the moment. And it was uh, it was face masks on. So yep. North Melbourne scenario is is not simple. Uh, they need the exemption from the Victorian government to return, and we have we've seen that in recent times. So there's good solid case studies there, but their next game's in Tasmania, and the Tasmanian government doesn't do exemptions. No, this is the big issue, I think, Jared. This round seven game, and it's against Melbourne, as you say. It comes with a significant cash boost to North Melbourne as well. Big for them financially now. If they get the Victorian exemption, that's one thing. Will they get one from Tasmania? They have been as strict as anyone. The Roos desperately want this game to go ahead, but it is at the moment, Jared, hard to see how that happens. And speaking to people around this in Clubland, they say the game will definitely have to be rescheduled, albeit nothing has been formalised in this space at the moment. Tasmania, incidentally, have declared Perth and Peel high-risk regions with travel and quarantine rules, they're saying, imposed for those coming into the state who may have been in those regions. So two-week quarantine. So it is hard to see how this happens. Queensland have shut up shop to, to WA. South Australia have heavy restrictions as well for those coming from the West. So it's a watch this space round seven. So it would be um, not, I don't want to say easy enough. It would be convenient to play North Melbourne and Melbourne in Victoria yep. and then relocate one of North Melbourne's games later in the year. Correct. That would be that would be the contingency plan that they're working through at the moment. So they'd get another another opponent and they'd take that game down to Tasmania. That was speculated last year when we had COVID. that didn't come to pass. But North Melbourne, contractually, will get that game there. They've just got to work out who it is against and when. And is it, is it good luck as much as good management that the next game is the Derby and thus Fremantle and West Coast can play? The pity of it would be if it was a severely reduced crowd or, and we, we cross our fingers that, that this is not the case that the lockdown got extended is it would be a shocking pity to have a derby in front of an empty crowd. Well, it's both of those things. You summed it up well. The AFL, no doubt about it, had a sigh of relief when they would have looked at the fixture and thought, thank goodness, we've got two local teams scheduled for round seven. But again, it goes ahead. Great. It means another team doesn't have to fly into the state and the complications of that. But if they don't get a crowd there, then it's another great shame. But you'd rather a game than no game at all, mm. I reckon. Is that the whole checklist? 
That is it at the moment. So we'll keep we'll keep as we're, while we're on here on Crunch Time, Jared. It's changing so quickly yeah. as you say. So North Melbourne might well get some clarification in the space of the next couple of hours. So we'll keep uh, abreast of that. Okay. So between meetings, we're going to talk to Graham Wright, the GM of Footy at uh, at Collingwood, and Craig Vozzo, the GM of Footy at West Coast. We've got to work in between. So we will have the latest information because they will literally yeah. finish their meeting and then join us and tell us what's taking place. So yes, there's there's a lot to work through. This is the this is the brave new world. As we would knew that this would bob up, oh. but uh, here we are again. Everyone's going to have their turn, Jared. You're listening to Crunch Time. It's for the new Navara at Werribee Western and Footscreenist. Last night, the Western Bulldogs furthered their winning start to the season. They are six in a row. It was three points at the final change, and they banged on nine goals to three to move to a 39 point victory. They have been impressive in every step that they have taken, and last night was no exception. Now the test of Richmond. Jared Waitley and Sam Edmund with Nick Del Santo and Craig Jennings on Crunch Time. What did you observe in the dogs firsthand, Dal? Very impressive. Now, I think the game style was more manipulated and controlled by the Giants trying to take the speed out of the game. I thought particularly in that first half, it was played between the arcs. Really limited opportunities for both teams to have that surge mentality, to have clean passages of play. And even though the game played out, and you mentioned the score at three-quarter time, it always felt like it was in the dog's hands. Could they eventually get that run and flow? And what was impressive, we touched on it off the top, was they're prepared to go the four quarters. You know, their running capacity, their depth through the midfield. Bontempelli kicks that snap early in the last quarter. The next passage plays the Trelaw goal as he breaks through 50. And then you start to see the damaging effect and the options that they have going forward. I thought it was a real workmanlike performance. It wasn't flashy. I mean, a handful of players got a lot of the football again, and that's their game style that you walk off patting yourself on the back because you've had another 40. But I just thought they went about it in a different way. This was a dogfight. This was the opposition coming at them again and in a slightly different way than we've seen in previous years where Bontempelli's been bashed. Um, there was Niggle, which probably wasn't caught up, caught on the broadcast. There was a lot of little things going on off the off the play. But I thought it was another big step forward from a maturity point of view and also a physicality just to withstand it, not have to niggle back all the time. Just say, we're big boys. We'll cop that and we're just going to keep pushing forward. I was really impressed as a whole. Yeah, it's a great summation. Couldn't agree more. Uh, knowing Bevo really well, and we spoke about this during the week, Jared. he is preparing his players for what? the opposition might throw at him or at their team. And clearly we saw that not that last night with GWS. And it was really interesting tactics or strategy by GWS. I thought they coached really well in terms of taking away the Bulldogs' strength. But the challenge of trying to be the best team when your team is, um, I guess, not as superior um, is that when you're taking away a dog's strength, which was in GWS's term, playing a little bit slower and very, as you talk about, they were very congested around the stoppages. But what that allowed Bulldogs to do was set up defensively really well. So Bulldogs are always getting that extra player back. And last night, it actually, from the TV, Dale, it looked like they you know, had 13 or 14 players in defence. So mm. GWS clearly had a strategy going into the game to take away the Bulldogs' strength. And that meant a more congested and slower game style. But then when GWS went forward in that slow manner, they were unable to score. And if you have a look at their first four goals, one was from a kick-in, two were from really blatant, unforced errors from the Bulldogs kicking, and one was from that score review, Jared, which um, you might talk about a little bit later. So in general play, even though that the Bulldogs weren't getting a scoreboard margin, as you were saying 
they'll 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 definitely in control. But every week now, and Melbourne will face the same thing, especially if they get up tonight. Teams really start doing their homework on the best teams, and so lots of different things will be thrown at the Bulldogs in Melbourne in the next few weeks. Uh, speaking to a couple of the Western Bull, uh, the GWS. Uh, staff members before you speak about the depth and, and the risk going into the game was the Western Bulldogs depth and one of them jokingly said but it had seriousness within it was well let's hope there's no stoppages tonight and I think that's an interesting it's obviously a joke but you're thinking okay well how are you going to manipulate this game so you don't have that and you look at the West, uh, you look at the Giants over the last couple of weeks clearances exceptional contested ball exceptional yet you look at the numbers last night the dogs plus 43 in contested possession and the clearances plus 14. And that is what has been the strength of the Giants when they've turned their season around in the previous two weeks, yet they just got smashed in those two particular areas. The Dogs' ability to compete at the stoppage, but their thing of beauty is when it goes outside that. They flick the ball around, they find someone that's in a little bit of space, and they surge for, and they've got so many options. So nothing matters more for Doggies fans this morning than the cost of the night, which mounted alarmingly as it went along. Lin Jong was the heartbreak early. Tim English was uh, deeply concerning, but then Josh Dunkley and the implications of that shoulder. So, Sam, how's it landing at the moment? Well, they landed themselves in Melbourne about an hour ago, as you say, as the walking wounded. Lin Jong will get scanned. Tim English will as well. All three of them will get scanned. But Lin Jong on the hammy, a bad one by the looks. First game of the season, three matches since the start of 2018. He's played 64 games in 10 seasons. I mean, the outpouring of sympathy on social media for him was immense. He's had, just quickly, Jared, two broken collarbones, a broken jaw, an ACL tear, a ruptured appendix. He's had hamstrings before. He had a serious ankle problem that wiped out his campaign last year. I mean, Cruel doesn't do it justice. He's going to miss some football. We know that. Now, Josh Dunkley, shoulder popped out, 10 minutes left in the game, trying to spoil, spoil Jeremy Finlayson. He came back on, but then it popped out again in the most innocuous fashion, didn't it, while he's trying to punch the ball out of out of the air. Now, he's remained in Sydney and New South Wales for, it was a pre-planned visit with family, so there's no rush there on the scans, which read into that what you will. If he does need a reconstruction, it's going to put his season in jeopardy. He has had one before on his other side. So he missed, uh, I think he got back in a tick over three months last time. He, he had uh, a full Rico. So the season might not be completely shot if he does need a reconstruction. Um, the other injury, of course, is Tim English, who is going to miss the game against Richmond. No doubt about that. And the coach, Luke Beveridge, went as close to saying that as he, as he possibly could last night with concussion. But they're going to get some scans on him either today or tomorrow just to check out that jaw, which copped the full brunt of Aaron Norton's knee as well. So... They're in the wars, but gee, they've got some depth. When you think Riley West, Pat Lipinski and the like to, to come back in, and, and Mitch Wallace is on the outer as well at the moment. And Nick Haynes, just a standard hamstring for GWS as well. Yeah, when I was listening to you then, Sam, I was thinking about Luke Beveridge and his coaching personality. And of all the coaches in the competition, he's probably the coach that's least phased by injuries. The so, tinker man. Yeah. yeah, he is. And and to make, we were talking earlier, Dale, he makes five changes to a winning team. And mm. usually when you make that many changes, you, your percentage chance of winning really decreases. Um, but we also know about his coaching style, which is players to play multiple positions. So, And he's a great theme and motivational coach. So um, of all the coaches in the competition, I think he'll be the least rattled by those big name injuries. The old saying of you don't change a winning team doesn't yes. apply to Luke Beveridge, <laughs> does it? But, but it's a position of luxury that they've got themselves in now. And whether those injuries were going to did occur or didn't occur, 
they've actually got the opportunity now as the season plays out. You speak about the new demands on the game and on players to actually manage people for one of the very few times over recent years for the Western Bulldogs. So you can sort of pick and choose the way you want to approach the remainder of the year from a personnel and game management style. Yes. So there is depth and there are replacements. That's true. But if it turns out that Dunkley's three months, it's a huge loss because the next player isn't quite as good as Dunkley. Mm, there is correct. coverage there. And any games they lose English for diminishes what's become one of their great strengths, which is the Martin-English combination. And the pity of it is, is it's going to be Richmond. They're not going to have that when they take on the Tigers on Friday night. It's going to be a big challenge. But you speak about the coaching style. We speak about the confidence and the way that they're playing their football. You're right with the Dunkley one. But you would love to think that you don't have to replace Dunkley. It's almost that person that's going to move into Dunkley's role. So say it's a Trelaw or a McRae on the wing or a Hunter that may have to play more on-ball time, a genuine Ruck Rover, as we used to love to call it. Who replaces them on the wing? Does it mean that Bailey Smith gets a little bit more of a look at the football now? But I look at their midfield and we just say depth as a generic term, but they do have options. They can move so many pieces at a particular time. And... I still think Luke Beveridge has got upside with this midfield. How do you balance it out? How do you get the best out of all of them individually and then ultimately as a collective? Yeah, I think Bevo's just highly intelligent and he'll enjoy the intellectual challenge of this. And the other thing at 6-0, and um, this brings them back to the pack a little bit, what you're saying, Jared. So I think he'll love that part of the game that now he has to find for his team different ways to win in terms of personnel and also in terms of what the opposition throw at them. So it's better to do this at round six than have to face it at round 20. Just a quick one. So they are going to face different challenges. And Luke Beveridge mentioned that post game that they are going to have to come up against different tactics. What you're seeing right now, what is the best way to minimise what they're currently doing with the amount of ball that they're getting? Well, I thought GWS planned really well. So what you saw was uh, GWS on the inner ring, really close to a contest or stoppage, really sitting on the Bulldogs' midfielders' backs so that, you know, you know this, Del, that they're pushing them under the footy. If the Bulldogs win it inside, they're able to tackle them. But what the Bulldogs are great at doing is going from the inside game to the outside game. So then GWS had a really good ring on the outside so that when it flicked out, they had their half forwards and wings um, trying to protect that area. But in the first half, first three quarters, even though the score was quite tight, Bulldogs were still scoring in that manner. So I thought strategically uh, GWS did a lot right. But it's like that whack-a-mole. You take away a strength of a team and another strength pops up. But I think teams will definitely try to find a solution to the way the Bulldogs get numbers back to support that defence. So it might be even if you go with a seven-man forward line. But every week somebody will throw something different and all the other clubs will watch and copy. Marcus Bontepelli in half an hour's time from the Bulldogs' perspective. We're about to touch base with Collingwood and then West Coast who are caught up in the COVID complications of the... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centres or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Lockdown. You're listening to Crunch Time. Thanks to the Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. Test drive the new Nissan Navara today. And for Red Rooster, seize the cheese. Try the new triple cheeseburger today. Limited time, so get in fast because the roosters call it. 
On a number of fronts, it's a frantic Saturday morning. It's complicated for a whole number of clubs. It relates to the Perth lockdown and the extensions thereof. Who's caught up in it? Collingwood is, having been the most recent team to travel to Perth. The general manager of footy at the Magpies is Graham Wright. Graham, great to have you on Crunch Time. No, no worries at all, Jeff. What's your scenario as it stands right now? Uh, no, we've all been tested this morning, and um, uh, I think the last of that was at 10.30 this morning, and then obviously isolating until we get the results of those tests. So we're running all of our meetings today via Zoom, um, and obviously players waiting for... Uh, Waiting for um, a test all clear, obviously, and then um, and then uh, they'll be able to get out and do some uh, moving around. But at this stage, we're uh, yeah, everyone's isolated at home and, and waiting for the all clear. Did everyone go to the same place on mass? How, how did you how did you work the testing? Yeah, we all went across to uh, Dorovich at Heidelberg um, um, in between sort of eight thirty and ten thirty this morning. Anyone who was on the trip, which obviously includes staff and players. Um, and everyone's uh, everyone's got tested, and as I said, yeah, just waiting results. So um, yeah, we're uh, we're all pretty comfortable. A little bit unusual, but not yes. um, not completely out of the uh, out of the ordinary with what we've all faced in the last sort of you know fifteen months or so. What's the risk profile? Is it infinitesimal? Do you think? Um, yeah, I would have thought so because just about all of our we left on the red eye, which was before midnight Perth time last week, and my understanding that the individual was let out of quarantine on the Saturday. So I think we would have missed him, obviously. Um, but from that perspective, yeah, we think it's it'd be highly uh, um, highly unlikely. But uh, obviously, yeah, you've, you've got to do the testing and get everything right and make sure that we follow all the protocols. So at what point did you and, know... And, and government gone. instruction, really. That's, the, that's what it gets back to. Yeah. Um, at what point did you know you'd have to cancel training and let all your players know? Was it last night or this morning? No, last night. So we about ten or eleven o'clock last night. There were some phone calls going around between us and the AFL, and um, yeah, we uh, we knew last night that it was it was unlikely that we'd be training today, and that we'd have to organise our uh, our meetings via Zoom, which uh, the coaches are, are meeting now. And then we've got our, our players shortly, and they'll go into their normal divisional meetings and that sort of thing. Post that, and um, yeah, it just means we can't get out to the. VFL game at Victoria Park today, but that, that's still going on. It, we've been able to shuffle staff around, so um, that's not affected. So uh, overall, it's yeah, as I said, it's uh, it's unusual, but um, not completely uh, um, out of the realms with what we've all faced. Uh, Graham, Sam, Edmund here. Thanks for your time this morning. You mentioned the VFL there. Is it right that that Braden Sire obviously won't be able to play in that game just by virtue of the fact he was in your, your travelling party last week? Yeah, yeah. The, Braden's the, the major one that affects from a playing uh, perspective, but he'll uh, he can be part of our group tomorrow. So we don't have to finalise our team until uh, 5:45, I think, tonight. So from that perspective, yeah, we'll, he'll be part of that group. And he was, he was in the he was in the 26 anyway, but yeah. um, might be able to might be able to play in the game. He's the only player affected at this stage. And obviously, it's all expedited with Dorovich on board to do the test, as you say. Have you been given a timeline? When do you expect to, to get the results? No, I, I think we're um, well. To be honest, I think we're, we're at the at their um, uh, we're at their mercy a little bit, just waiting from a time perspective. But I mean, in our case, or sorry, I think every AFL club's case, it's been like a twenty-four hour. So it could be tomorrow morning. But <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all hopeful that uh, it comes through at some stage uh, this afternoon. And and as I said, then we can uh, we can get some players out to do a bit. But they can still do a bit at home. 
stretching or um, yeah, they can get out in their backyards, but they, they're obviously isolating at home. It, it would have a moment if it did tip over into tomorrow morning, Graham, because she's a rather <laughs> large fixture, isn't it? <laughs> yes. We'd, uh, I mean, I think we were all there last year a few times where um, you, you'd have your test two days out from the game and, um, and basically, you know, you'd be hoping you had all the results through that, that evening and then there'd be one or two that might get held over to the morning. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically, you'd have to wait until the morning. So we, we still might have that. We're hopeful we don't. But the reality is, as I said, yeah, we've all been through it before, unfortunately. Righty, no captain's run today as a result of not having these results back from Dorovich as it currently stands. Of the playing group, who's the most meticulous that this could possibly affect the... <laughs> <laughs> I've been there about, is that you, Dal? Yeah, it is. I've been there um, about 11 weeks, so uh, you're probably um, asking the wrong person who it might might affect the most. I think all players are creatures of habit and they like to do things how they like to do things, but the reality is they've all dealt with this over the last 15 months. You just have to be flexible. And, and I'm sure, you know, you, we've got um, a first game tomorrow. We've got a, um, you know, we've got a couple of guys who've only played you know, two or three games. So they all would have liked to have been out having a kick and a catch this morning. But our main training was Thursday. So from that perspective, the, the majority of what, we're, of what we do is out of the way. It's just um, you know, some of the planning and divisional meetings that we'd have. Um, and the captain's run, you know, for all intents and purposes, a bit of a... A kick and a catch, and and um, and tick the legs over. Um, so from that perspective, I'm not sure quite sure who would it affect uh, uh, the most, but um, I'm sure they're a little bit affected. Just as I said, because they're they're all creatures of habit. But we've all, as I said before, we've all been through it. And we understand that it's um, you've just got to be flexible and and uh, agile and move with what uh, what actually uh, you. you is put in front of you. So that's the scenario as it is right now, Graham. Just just two relating to the overall of the week. The first is it's quite clear that your portfolio is going to be uh, around the future of the senior coach's position. Have you thought through a framework for how you will approach that? Um, no, to be honest, no. I mean, it, it was interesting. I think I, I was probably as surprised as everyone else when things were thrown up that it was that I'm going to be. Uh, making the decision or something like that. I don't think it'll be that. It'll be, it'll be a group of people that are involved. But, um, I mean, Nathan's an outstanding coach, experienced coach, been a successful coach. So from that perspective, um, yeah, I'm really comfortable with where that sits. And, and um, you know, Mark's just come on board as, as the new president. Um, but we've also, you know, Mark Anderson's been there a, a fair while, but those guys have both been around the club a long period of time. So... I would have thought overall everyone, including Nathan, will have uh, have a bit of say in the decision. Mate. Would you feel comfortable with that responsibility, Graham, as the as the fresh set of eyes and with all the experiences that you bring to footy, uh, as to how to go about making that decision? Oh, I, I feel comfortable with it, and as I said, I feel comfortable that there's a, a good group of people there making the decision. I think in in any of those decisions, they're always it's, it's a collaborative approach about. Um, uh, how you go about it, and as I said, we ha- we actually haven't even um, sat down and, and done any of that. I mean, it was really clear when I started um, back in uh, the first sort of week of Feb. I think it was the, the week after that that Bucks and I and Mark had a conversation, and Bucks was really clear that he wanted to uh, he wanted to wait. He felt it was the right thing. So, um, you know, we ha- we really haven't had a conversation about it since then. So. I know it's going on outside, and we understand that, and we understand it's uh, it's um, it's big news from that perspective. But from our point of view, you know, we're just week to week trying to prepare to, to win games, and at this stage, we haven't won too many, so we, we've got our hands full with that at this stage. And Graham, just before we let you go, who's been trusted with the keys to the mobile phone case at the MCG tomorrow? 
Um, well, that'll be me, I think. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I've had to wear that one. Um, yeah, and it was it was really unfortunate from that perspective that we, uh, yeah, that obviously the, the box was left open, and I've you know, obviously spoken to to, to Geordie and uh, and to Howie, and we really didn't blame them from that perspective. I mean, the box was left open and shouldn't have been. I think they understood that they shouldn't have grabbed their phones. Um, but yeah, there, there was a couple of things around from a staffing perspective, but in the end, that falls on me. So. Um, yeah, we uh, we made a we made a mistake, and we've copped a copped a, a reasonable weight, mm. I would have thought, and um, it's it's sort of sending a message to everyone in the competition that you you, you need to be all over this and and do it um, yeah. to the letter of the law from from what the AFL prescribed for us all. So from that perspective, no, it'll, it'll fall to me. But I'll uh, I must admit I I haven't looked at the phone uh, box too often, but I I will be tomorrow. <laughs> Graham, thanks uh, for bringing us up to speed on, on what's transpiring. Good luck with those negative tests. No worries. Thanks very much, guys. Graham Wright is the GM of footy at Collingwood. So that's it as it is right now. West Coast will touch base with Craig Vozzo shortly as to how their, uh, their 16 or so hours has developed as they head towards playing the early game this afternoon. In the, uh, well, a, a half an hour later, Gold Coast will host the Sydney Swans. So the Suns, who have made great starts to seasons in recent times, are one and four. And their chairman is with us on Crunch Time, Tony Cochran. Tony, great to have you on board. Hi, Jared and everyone. How are we? We're well. Is, what, what do you make of the start to the season, Tony? There's all manner of mitigating factors, but there you are at one and four. Um, look, if you actually, you know, really analyse it and you put the first half last week against the dogs aside, uh, we've been pretty competitive. We've been in the mix and in the games, um, even given our horrendous injury toll factor. So... Um, I, I'm I'm um, I'm still re- reasonably bullish and optimistic that um, you know that we're going to end up with a, a, the sort of development season we expected at the start of the year. So um, I'm not chucking the baby out with the bathwater just yet, Jared. Just define for us in your mind what what represented the gains in this season, as as you say, on the development front. We're looking to be. Uh, have a year where we continue our development. We probably are hopeful of uh, finishing uh, at least in some sort of challenger mode come August. And what I mean by that is that uh, we would like to think that we're uh, um, helping form the eight and, uh, you know, potentially um, uh, looking forward to an expectation that... um, you know, we could even maybe uh, be just on the outside of the eight. That was sort of the game plan at the start of the year. And, you know, we've got to remember we've still got a very young squad. Um, and, of course, we've had the horrendous injuries of all our tools, which is uh, very hard to counteract. So um, a good test today, a very good test against a good side and uh, perfect conditions up here. So uh, there'll be no excuses. Uh, we're looking to put in a very credible performance today. Tony, the impact on the playing group as a result of so many injuries, which you've mentioned a couple of times, how are the players handling what could have possibly been going back five or so weeks ago as the season started and the way that you started the year and probably what reality is right now with this young group and not getting the results that they want. From your perspective, what impact has that had on the group mentally? I think they've handled it pretty well. Um, Look, one of our great on-field leaders is Jared Witts. Um, That's probably stating the obvious, but 
Um, he's the captain for a reason, and certainly um, Jared not being on the ground uh, is having, um, you know, is, is very, very difficult for us to replace because in a bit of the way uh, Max is at uh, Melbourne, you know, Jared's uh, very much an on-field leader uh, with our young group. So um, his loss has been a really particularly tough one for us. There's, and, you know, you can't, you can't sugarcoat that. That's just a reality. So, you know, we're having to try and get guys like Tukey Miller and others to step up and, and uh, play a stronger leadership role. Tony, Craig Jennings here. Um, I've had a lot of friends that have worked and still work at the Gold Coast Football Club and they speak very highly of both you and the club and have really enjoyed their time there. Uh, I'm really interested in the study of, of coaching and with your worldwide uh, entrepreneurial and business experience, what are the traits of Stuart Dew um, that stand the, fo- the football club in really good stead going forward in terms of his coaching traits or even more broadly his leadership traits that give you great confidence? Uh, well, unfortunately, I'm a bit of an old guy, and I remember in Adelaide a really exceptional coach in Jack Odie. Ugh. And um, there's there's some qualities about Stuart that Jack definitely had in, in abundance. And I, I really like his patience. I really like the effort and the time and the commitment he puts into young people. And I, and I think everybody saw that in the... Um, uh, the show that was on uh, Amazon at the start of this year that uh, showed Stuart during last year's season. Um, he's a quality individual. Um, he's absolutely got a commitment and a dedication of time to the footy club. Um, he's got a steely resolve about him. Um, and, um, you know, they're, they're all great qualities. And, uh, what we've got to do here a little bit is we've got to give him time. You know, he's a very young coach. We knew that going in. Our eyes were wide open. Gosh, we're a young football club. Um, so, you know, you've just got to be prepared to be that bit more patient. You've got to be prepared to uh, go through probably a longer period of pain uh, to come out the other side in a successful manner. And sometimes in life, father journeys you have to take and, uh, that's the journey we've chosen to take with Stewie. Um, and um, I can tell you he has 110% support from everybody around our footy club and in particular our board. So there, there, is, a, there is an impatience externally. Tony, you won't be oblivious to that. Jonathan Brown gave voice to it again on Monday night about the, whether the club has established any form of identity. So this is a familiar conversation that you will have heard. Do, do you object to it still? Uh, look, you know, the easiest thing to be in the world is a critic. Dead set. And Australia are very good at it. If, if they introduce critics to the Olympics, we'll take out the gold, silver and the bronze every year. Um, so, um, you know, look, it's just water off my back. If they think they're impacting me, they're in for a rude shock. So it's like playing tennis against a brick wall. Um, so it's just what it is. Of course, we wish we have had had have found better and more sustained success by now. Naturally, that's the business we're in. We're in the business of winning. We're not in the business of just making up numbers. But we've also have to overcome so many obstacles to start a, a club from scratch. And you know, I I often remind people that it took um, the Hawthorne Football Club nearly 40 years to make finals. But the only difference was back in those days we didn't have third. 
30,000 people analysing on a weekly basis what Hawthorne were up to. Um, in this day and age, everything gets put under scrutiny. I understand that. Uh, everybody's got a job. Everybody wants to, you know, make a note of things, and, and that's all great. But the truth of the matter is we have to dig in. We have to find a way to find success. We have to build on that. And, you know, I emphasise we're a very young club in a non-AFL community. You know, um, it's, it's easy for Jonathan to make comment, but the Brisbane Lions, you know, weren't exactly great back in the days when they were the Bears. Um, so, you know, this, this, is, um, this is a long-haul job. We do it on the smallest amount of income of any AFL team and by a big margin, not even by a little margin. Um, we, we're trying to run a um, stadium as well as an AFLW side. Um, so our task is great. Uh, and uh, unfortunately for us, there's plenty to do and there's not a lot of labourers yet. But, you know, that'll all, that'll all change in time. There'll come a time when the Gold Coast Football Club is a, you know, very successful, very sustained part of the AFL industry. The Gold Coast will have a million, 1.2 million people, um, and everybody in those times will look back and say, oh, you know, bloody good thing they did that all those years ago, isn't it? It's a great part of the AFL community now. So, you know, that's, um, that, that's a, unfortunately, that's the job of being a pioneer. Pioneers get arrows in the back. How, all of that taken into account, Tony, how long can you wait before you make the inroads that you're striving for and, and see finals for the first time? Oh, look, I still... You, you guys are going to sit there and say he's dreaming. This guy's a lunatic. I, I still haven't given up on the possibility we might sneak into the finals this year. Um, you know, if we get a few of these players back, you know, Matty Rowell is is probably not that far away now, you know, maybe six or seven weeks' time. Um, uh, we'll certainly get Sam, Bay, Sam Day back this year. Um, uh, you know, we've got a lot of young prospects who are on the verge of breaking through. Um, so, I, look, if it's not this year, I, I'm very confident about next year. Um, you know, next year we'll have a lot of players who will have 60 to 70, 80 games in them. Um, so, look, I, I, again, you know, if you want to have my job, you've got to be an optimist or, you know, you, you'd spend a lot of time um, uh, in depression. So, I, I guess... Uh, uh, I'm hanging in there. Uh, the club's hanging in there. We're determined to see it through. We've got a great chief executive in Mark Evans. Uh, I think we've got a very, very good staff. Um, I don't think we're really um, wanting for that much these days. We've sorted a lot of our issues out. Um, so we, we've, we've just got to uh, do it tough. We've got to hang in and do it tough. You know, uh, no one gets anywhere by giving up. Tony, one big picture, one to finish with. I was sitting there not watching the footy on Thursday night, and I did wonder, well, Tony Cochran think that there's a million people who would have watched if there'd been a game on and there was no game. Should we be playing on Friday night, on Thursday nights? Oh, absolutely. I mean, some of the decisions, you know, I love the AFL. I love the senior management team at the AFL, but I'm also not going to be a, you know, an unheard of voice. Um, You know, I've been involved in professional sport all over the world for 40 years, so I I have an opinion and I'll voice it why we wouldn't play a Thursday night game every week of the year when we've got a million viewers who want to watch a Thursday night game. I mean, that, that's a dopey decision. Not quite as dopey as trying to start a 19th franchise, but it's, it's up there. 
<laughs> I had a hunch you might feel that way, Tony. Uh, it's always good to chat. Good luck this afternoon. It's a really important afternoon to try to get that win. Indeed it is. Thanks. It's great being speaking with you guys. Good on you. Tony Cochran with us on Crunch Time, chairman of the Gold Coast Suns. And entertaining. Yeah. You knew what was coming when you poked the beer. The yeah. engine was coming back. <laughs> we, are, we are aligned on that. Doesn't mean he's not wrong. Absolutely. He's absolutely right. I can tell you there'll be community coaches driving to the game now, unfamiliar, especially in Victoria on Jack Odie. But having studied coaching and lived in South Australia, this guy was an absolute legend coach. And, um, you know, that's great insight that he thinks Stuart Dew has the same sort of coaching traits. So Gold Coast are in pretty good hands if that's the case. Do we? It's been a really difficult last month for the Suns. Do we need to give him a moment to bring back Ballard, Day, Rao, Thompson, Townsend, Wits, Smith, Buderick? Oh, yeah. Like, like, it, it's I don't very feel like hard we can to judge make any them. meaningful judgments on them. That's the how moment. I see them at the moment. Other as well. than it's, there is an impatience. Mm. And how how long is long enough to, to get it together? But in absolute isolation, they, they've had no chance yeah. in the hand that they've been dealt so far this year. Eight knee injuries on that list. It's Just crazy. going through it there. Eight knee injuries. Incredible. That, when you've got that many, the next layer of that is that concerns me from a conditioning point of view. I mean, there's really unfortunate things that happen in football every week. But Would they got, review it? Would they review oh, You'd love yeah. to think so. Surely yeah. they're reviewing it, even if they didn't have anything. You review everything at the end of every season. Marcus Bontempelli is our headline guest, the Bulldogs captain. They're unbeaten 6-0. and zero. They've got Richmond next. He's back from Canberra. We'll have a chat to him shortly, and we're about to touch base with West Coast. So we know the Collingwood scenario. They're all in isolation, having been tested. The Eagles are all through, and they will play at Geelong this afternoon. The award-winning crunch time. It's complicated this Saturday. It's, it'll be complicated all year from various uh, quarters. This time from Perth with the lockdown. John Warsfold's not going to make it to his first date with the Blues because he's had his test having travelled from Perth to Melbourne. But he's not going to get the result before 4.30, Sam Edmonds. It's a great story for Fox Footy. Is that Carlton in 2021 or what? That <laughs> is so Marcus. Carlton. So close and yet so far. Set it up. Craig Jennings, Nick Del Santo as well. So we've heard the scenario at Collingwood. They are all in isolation right now and awaiting their test results. Uh, hopeful to get them tonight, but it may well spill over into Anzac Day. The Eagles were the f- team at the forefront of it because their game's only an hour and a half away. The, the footy boss at the Eagles is Craig Vozzo. Craig, great to have you on Crunch Time. Thanks for having me, guys. So just walk us through what happened from what would have been late yesterday afternoon for you? Yeah, it was. It was uh, mid, mid yesterday afternoon, so we got down to um, the Cats uh, here at Cadinia Park and... Um, in the middle of our captain's run, we sort of got word that there was going to be a press conference with our Premier back in uh, Perth. So I always wonder when those press conferences come up, what's going to happen. <laughs> so we obviously um, went through the, that process. And as soon as we found out there'd been um, that small breakout, breakout or problem, um, we had to go into the next phase as how we keep moving. So uh, liaison with the AFL, um, we ended up getting our COVID testing last night. Um, and getting our program to a point where if, if all boxes are ticked, we can still play today at the same time. And fortunately, all of our COVID testing has come back on time and um, we're ready to go. Every, everyone's uh, negative and um, no, nothing to worry about at this point. And uh, we, we fortunately had a charter flight across from, uh, from Perth. So that's probably helped in a lot of ways to put us in a position where we should be able to 
go straight back post-game in the normal way and then go back into um, into the Perth lockdown for another couple of days, I think. So, uh, yeah, so you'll go back. What what's, what will your, be, your, your reality be when you do go back to Perth? Will you observe the lockdown? Do you have exemptions to be able to train and the like? Because it's only a three-day lockdown um, starting today, um, when we get back, uh, we'll be like everyone else, where we'll be in a two-day setup with just exercise rights for for an hour or so, um, which will take us through to Monday at midnight. Um, we've got a Sunday game at this point against Frio, so we won't be too interrupted too much because uh, it should be business as usual if Perth comes out of lockdown for Tuesday. Uh, and if not, we put plans in place with the Commissioner of Police um, in relation to some potential training rights over the course of the week. So we think we'll be okay from a, uh, a preparation point of view for the, for the following game, uh, all things being equal. Is it fortuitous that the Derby's next, Craig? Could you have envisaged a scenario that Brisbane just lived through? If you, if you weren't the all-Perth affair, you might, have, uh, you might have been staying in Melbourne for a period to find out how it landed? Potentially. I, I certainly think playing Frio back home um, is fortuitous. Um, but, um, yeah, it's going to get back to our border, I think, beyond next week um, and hopefully the containment of any spread um, such that we can start travelling again, perhaps by charter flight um, across the whole comp. That might be the way things go. We're not sure. Uh, Craig, Sam Edmund here. Thanks a lot for your time this morning. So it's a, a charter flight back. Uh, at what time this evening did you get clearance to leave? Uh, I think it's around 730 um, normal time, so it's a, it's our it's the normal flight that we had booked with no change, and I think that was seven thirty. I wanted to ask you about Josh Kennedy as well, who hasn't made the trip, of course, with that ankle injury. Is there ever expectation he'll be fit for for Fremantle next weekend? Yeah, that's what we're planning. Um, obviously, the incident with uh, Keane last week um, has stirred up uh, an, an ankle issue, which we think. Uh, should settle over the course of the next few days in readiness for the Derby. And in terms of your testing that you had to undertake before this game, I mean, just a, a small speed bump in terms of your preparations or something a little bit more of a hurdle than that? No, it was a small speed bump. Um, our guys the, from the uh, official side of things through to the players are pretty used to it now, given what happened last year. So um, everyone's really organised across the whole competition with the testers, AFL clubs, so it was really, really well done um, from that point of view to get the testers in in a short period of time, get our whole travel party of 55 tested um, and get the results. I think we had them by 8.30 this morning, so um, real credit to everyone involved that uh, we're able to turn that around so quickly. Just You mentioned the charter flights and maybe this might be the way for the whole competition. So I take it the, the examples of last year have, have opened up that as a, a practicality. Would that be, I'm not sure whether it'd be simple, but would it be, is there a formula to be able to roll that out, Craig? Yeah, it's not simple and it's going to have to require AFL involvement because of the costs involved. But um, I think the downside will certainly exceed the costs involved in terms of stopping the game. So I think it's something that the competition will have to consider, led by the AFL, as a risk mitigation strategy. And I think, um, obviously, the testing side of thing might ramp up as well from a COVID perspective, um, not, not to the degree of last year, but there might be similar types of things happening weekly, perhaps, across the comp. Um, certainly something we're looking into as a risk mitigation strategy, for sure. 
the other contingency planning, do you have a bit of a blueprint if the scenario or we just lived through it with Brisbane unexpectedly uh, stayed in a state to keep the uh, to keep things moving? Have you got a bit of a blueprint in a draw somewhere that, that would have you on the road for a few weeks? Yeah, we do. We've planned for that sort of scenario, hoping it doesn't occur. Um, we've also planned for... Um, coming back from a, a state that has a breakout and how that might look as well. So, um, yeah, the AFL encouraged all clubs to do that. So I think everybody's been pretty proactive, given the learnings of last year, to try to minimise um, any shutdown periods this year if we can. And in amongst all of that, Craig, it's a big afternoon. Your road trips have been a bit unfulfilling. It is, you were terrific against the Bulldogs, but don't get it and probably coughed up the game against St Kilda. How critical is what's about to transpire down the highway? Yeah, it's important um, that we keep up our standards uh, and play four quarters of really strong footy today. Um, and, you know, no better challenge than Geelong and Geelong. Um, hostile crowd, terrific team. Um, over a long period of time. We're really looking forward to the challenge, uh, with, particularly on, on, on the Anzac Day weekend. So couldn't be any, any better challenge and, and looking forward to it. And 15 years, I think it's been, Craig. The last time you won there, I think Kerr and Cousins had it 31 times each. It's a while going back away. And even they were eight goals down, apparently. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it is a challenge. And that was a pretty good midfield that helped get us over the line. Hopefully our boys can do something similar today. Yep. Good on you, Craig. Thanks for bringing us up to speed. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Good on you, Craig Vozzo, who's uh, the GM of footy at West Coast Eagles. They were. I think they were six goals down at three-quarter time, and they rattled home furiously. Not a bad team, though. You no. talk about that midfield. No Judd that day either. So, they, yeah, they, but they came roaring home. It is home. a hard place to play football, even when you're going really well, GMHBA Stadium. So we'll see how today plays out for them. Can't wait to see how Jeremy Cameron goes as well mm. in, uh, in the hoops when so the time we'll, comes. When we get to the crunch, that, that's one of the, the key topics. That, that, the charter flights are... Uh, it's mm. obviously going to be something that um, that gets discussed more and more, I'd say. But a significant expense, yeah. you'd have to assume. But again, that's nothing foreign to the AFL. And as Craig alluded to, perhaps the, that's offset by the fact that the game actually takes place as a result. So a frantic Saturday on a whole number of fronts and now a chance to savour what happened last night in Canberra. The Bulldogs are six from six and their captain, Marcus Spontempelli, is with us. Marcus, welcome to Crunch Time. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. What'd you make of last night with a little bit of time to, to ponder it? Yeah, it was, um, you know, obviously the game for, for probably majority three quarters was a bit of a grind. Um, they, you know, GWS really brought it from a from a pressure point of view and, and really tried to, um, I guess, limit our ability with the ball and, um, yeah, play their own sort of style. But, but good win in the end and, and good to see probably some of our more natural game come out in the last quarter. Was there a fraction less aggression than you might have might have anticipated? Yeah, probably probably seen that way when you consider probably our, our previous previous encounters um, with each other. It was certainly um, you know still a challenging game and still a physical game, but there probably yeah it wasn't as um, you know wasn't as fierce maybe as it has been in the past. Um, but yeah, good game all in all. Did you have it looked like Easton Wood was the sheriff. Any time Toby Green stepped out of ground, it was Easton Wood's role to get in there and just settle him and sort him out. Uh, yeah, it was um well not not necessarily not a planned thing at all. I think it's just um, you know, Woody, you know, looking to opportunities to, to stick up for his teammates at different points and obviously 
Toby was having a pretty big influence on the on the game anyway from his own sort of offensive side of things. So uh, we probably had our hands full just trying to limit his his ability. But um, yeah, always look to help and support each other, and that's something Woody's really good at. Sheriff Woody too, Dell. You like that? <laughs> Here we go, Sheriff. Um, good morning, Marcus. Hope everything is going well with you off the back of a great performance last night. I'm just interested in the way that you see the game and you felt the game last night because from the sideline it was a little bit more slow and conservative, which hasn't been your game style. This year, are you guys able to or learning about going at different speeds and how to adjust on the fly to what the opposition are doing to you? Because it looked clearly like the Giants were just trying to bottle it up and slow you guys down, particularly off the half-back line. Yeah, they were. And we, we got a sense for that probably pretty early that um, maybe they were trying to build the ball up a little bit, um, keep the ball off us and then maybe you know force us to, to fatigue a little bit, which is... Has probably happened to us the previous week as well, and, and as you know, um, now that we're probably you know five six weeks into the season, teams are getting a probably good feel for, for how teams are playing and, and how to counteract probably their their strengths and and you know especially our sort of offensive play. So it's something we'll, we'll you know continue to, to go to school on. But I think you know in in the game today, there's. Um, such good research teams aren't going to sort of give you what you want at times and, and our mentality probably continued to be just to to sort of grind it out hang in there play the game sort of the way that it was being forced to and then look to continue to explore how we could you know open it up and and bring our strengths and our offensive ability to the fore and and like I said we managed to get get a hold of that a bit more late but yeah certainly get a feel for how teams are maybe wanting to play us um, this time around. Hey, Bonds, Craig Jennings here, mate. Great to hear from you again. Now, um, way back in 2016, you were really interested in leadership, and I know you uh, picked my brain around other captains that I'd worked with or other leaders of football clubs like Joe Watson. And what I've seen from the outside at the Bulldogs is, one, your leadership and the growth in that area, but also the, the leaders at the whole football club. And I was wondering if you could give us some insights, the listeners some insights into um, you know where you're getting your leadership ideas from and who you're working with and who your mentors might be in that regard. Yeah, good day, mate. Good to um, good to chat again after after a few years. It's um, you know it's probably something on a personal level that um, you know I've just naturally evolved and, and felt a bit more comfortable with. And, and last year was a, a challenging year for for a different sort of range of reasons. But um, you know it's it's something that's probably you know feeling a bit more comfortable to me I think the the shift that we've probably tried to make and, and maybe naturally has happened is we've sort of tried to um, I guess instill a bit more of a, a flatter structure when it comes to, to leadership and you know obviously we've got a couple of figureheads in, in you know myself and, and Mitchie Wallace as the, as the VC but um, started to look for you know how we can um, you know approach leadership on a you know on a larger larger scale and have you know, greater ownership, greater opportunity for for all players to you know be leaders in their in their own ways. So, for me personally, you know, there's there's different people that I speak to. Bevo's obviously a, a big one who I've got a huge amount of respect for and, and admire, and obviously a, a great relationship with him. But often find myself just talking to to him about you know different things throughout the week and. Um, as we continue to sort of see our, our you know, players and, and the people evolve, you start to see these these things evolving in people, and and you know our mentality sort of um, we need everyone that it can't be left up to, to too few. So that probably I guess underpins our, our leadership sort of philosophy that um, we just need everyone contributing, and, and that seems to be working for us so far. 
We saw last night post-game, and I don't know if there's been any audio attached to it, Bont, but Luke Beveridge speaking to the group in an open forum for one of the very few times we almost got some access to the way that you have that relationship with the coach, and he put a book down relating to the Anzac theme and the week uh, that you're about to encounter. But I thought he went out of his way specifically to mention those that had to change the style of their game, that weren't playing a good first half mm. of football, and he, he acknowledged those guys. I think he used the word inspirational to them. Just take us inside mm. the week and how important that sort of turnaround from individuals was for you last night. Yeah, it was. And I think you're going to find, and, and you know this, Nick, as well, that, that week to week you're not always going to be able to produce your, your best because, you know, for whatever reason, you're maybe having a, an off game or the opposition's trying to, you know, quell your influence, whatever it might be. It's 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 a team game and we, we need you to continue to, to stay, you know, and stick to the, the team team principles and, and what we expect and, and that's that's if that's all you can bring then, then then that's great and and he was just reinforcing that for those players who it might not have been their day they still managed to find probably their best in those really important moments and, and that was probably you know that fourth quarter especially to begin with we really need to start it well and, and try to try to build some momentum and um, I think what we're, we're feeling and, and sensing as a group is that we need everyone, that we can't, like I said before, rely on too few. And, and regardless of, yeah, if the game's going your way or not, just continue to persist and, and continue to keep the team front of mind. So he was really complimentary of, of those those players who were able to do that. And it obviously made a big sort of difference for us in the end. Bonds, just connecting in with that, um, I saw firsthand the power of the Luke Beveridge theme and connecting stories to, to um, yeah, really influence a, a player's game. Now, I don't, you, I don't know if you remember this back in 2016, but we went down to Launceston and he put up on the board, I think it was Veni Vedi Vici, which was Roman for we came, we saw, we conquered. And we got mm. beaten by a hundred, and then <laughs> the next week he put up one about the Easy Rider, and nobody in the room because it was a movie from the seventies, I think, none of us knew what he was talking about. But is there one that comes to mind that was either really powerful in terms of a positive performance, or one that the players still laugh about that didn't quite hit the mark? Yeah, there's probably. Well, I mean, with Bevo, that's probably where he's um, not your heart and your mouth at different points. He's been he's been so good for so long, but. I can imagine it would be difficult after setting such a, a good standard early on to, to continue to find those those new themes and I guess inspirational elements to think outside of, of, of just the game, which, which we, you know, have, have reacted to and latched onto a, a number of a number of times and um yeah, sometimes, you know, he probably feels like he's he's come out of it and absolutely nailed it. But um we go out and like you said, we, we don't go as well and unfortunately sometimes yeah you waste a good one, um, <laughs> yeah, a somber performance, which he, he's, you know, he sort of says that's just the way it is. But um, for the one or two probably, you know, ones that, um, you know, go straight over the head of a few players, there's, there's a heat that, that have landed really well. Um, he, he run with this one about an everlasting gobstopper once um, and <laughs> Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I think there was a few like funny looks just like, so I could imagine he'd be reading the room as it's happening and, and just getting a feel for whether it's going to land or not. But uh, we love what he brings. We love Bevo's, you know, I guess difference of, of opinion and how, he's, how his mind works because it, it does impact us in a great way. So would you expect something pretty good for Friday night? How big's the prospects being unbeaten through six rounds and, and facing the champs in Richmond? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity for us. 
um, to play in a in a you know a big game on on Friday night, and and you know Richmond have been the the benchmark now for for a couple of years, and and you do you look forward to you know testing yourself uh, against the best, and you have to try and you know you have to beat them to try and improve and and, and take things further. So um, you know it's it's a great opportunity for us. It is a big prospect, so um, no doubt Bevo will have something. Um, he'll be thinking of something in the ensuing days. Hey, Marcus, Sam Edmund here. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Obviously, the win last night coming at a, at a pretty serious cost. I mean, does a, a big collective arm go around someone like Lin Jong? It does. It does, mate. And it's um, almost a bit heartbreaking at times when you, you know, see any injury happen and significant ones always always hurt you a little bit more. But, you know, for someone like Jong, who has um, done it hard at different points and his body, at, you know, at, at a number of, um, times to sort of let him down, so <clears throat> you understand it's 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 part of the game, but but sometimes it just feels feels a little bit cruel. So <clears throat> anyway, we'll, we'll just try our best to continue to support him, um, continue to help him, you know, as he looks towards his his rehab. But yeah, the game can be you know a touch cruel at times. And how significant is it, just quickly, with Lin Jong? Yeah, off to get scans. I'm pretty sure today we just landed back from Canberra not long ago. So he'll probably be off to get a scan. But, um, you know, I think it's looking probably on the more serious side. We're probably, fingers crossed, it's it's not as. But, um, you know, hopefully it's not too long. But, yeah, we'll just wait and see. And I know you're not the club medico. And, and Dunks, Josh Dunkley's obviously spending a bit of time up mm. north with, it, with his family, which was pre-planned. Mm. But what's the yep. early diagnosis with him and whether he'll need to uh, undergo surgery? Yeah, well, was, um, you would have if you you know watched the game, you would have been able to tell it was a um, pretty nasty dislocation. So he's he's had that twice. So he'll be the mm-hmm. same. He'll be off the scans, but um, you know they're always a little bit serious those ones too. So without giving you a, a, an exact figure, I'm, unfortunately we might be missing him for a little while, but um hopefully we can you know keep things going and um yeah getting back as soon as possible and i hate to keep hitting you up with with the injuries but uh, that was the story of last night of course just with tim english obviously short term it's the concussion long term are there any fears <clears throat> or concerns over the jaw it was a pretty brutal hit that uh, that he caught from aaron norton there inadvertently of course. yeah yep speaking with him um this morning before we flew out and i think yeah uh, medical team sort of assessed him and the jaw seems to be to be okay so probably just under the the concussion protocol he'll he'll miss next week but you know at this stage we're hoping to get him back by the week after so um you know that's probably yeah. uh you know a lucky part of, of that incident but yeah still you know a bit disappointed that we'll lose him but but hopefully get him back pretty soon no that's good news and just Coming back to you, looking forward, I guess, I know you've said multiple times that the Dogs fans have nothing to worry about about your commitment beyond this year, but can you quickly, Marcus, bring us up to speed on the new contract? Amit Bain said recently here on SEN that they were hopeful of something could be uh, struck in the coming weeks. Yeah, just uh, as I've probably said in the past, continuing to, to work through it. Um, manager Tommy Petroro is, you know, obviously in... Um, constant chats with the club as we sort of progress to, to getting something done. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, exactly on the timeline. Um, but, yeah, should be, yeah, should be getting sorted hopefully pretty soon. And just one last cheeky one on it. You're 25, which is normally around the age that I guess signifies a player's most significant deal. Would you push for a long, long-term one? Um, something I'd probably manage, and then the club will probably continue to discuss over the sort of coming weeks. Um, but it's, yeah, it's um, 
it's an interesting one. I guess everyone treats the, the probably timing differently, but um, it's just something we'll continue to talk through and work through the next couple of weeks. Well played. <laughs> Marcus. <Forward defensive. laughs> Great to have you on Crunch Time, and all power to you. It's a thrilling start to the season. Yep. No worries. Thanks, gents. Marcus Bontempelli, the Bulldogs captain. Well, surely if you're the Western Bulldogs, you hand him a piece of paper. Oh, how long? You filled in all the work that needs to be done. You say, you just write in how long you want to be here for and what that number is to keep you here for that period and of plenty, time. Plenty, and it hasn't necessarily been the dog's way to go the long, long term. But I think as Amit touched on when he joined us on SEN, as long as the appropriate triggers are put in place at the right time, then why can't there be a long-term deal for a player of this caliber? So, Dal, you had the privilege of hearing the Luke Beveridge discussion. You're in the back corner. It was because, awkward. Yeah. But, <laughs> did it take you back to your playing days? Did you enjoy hearing I, it? I did. And just from a selfish point of view, just for one moment, then I'll get in, I'll get onto the actual detail of it. I missed it. I, I honestly missed those moments within a football club. And it's why you love football clubs. It wasn't probably Bevo's most articulate bit, and it didn't have to be. It wasn't like a public address that had to hit all the points. It was based on emotion, and it was based on a theme that they had obviously spoken about during the week, and it was related to the Anzacs. He put a book down in the middle of the group, and I think he actually caught them off guard. They just completed singing their song. They have the seats placed out in a horseshoe shape, which they were just taking a moment and maybe that deep breath of, job done, we get to relax just for a moment. And Bevo puts the book down and starts speaking. Josh Dunkley is sitting still on the ground below Luke Beveridge, and he had a hand on his shoulder at particular times. And I did, I loved it. It actually took me back to that, that is why we love sport, that you are connected to something and you have a common purpose and they achieved it in that two hours of football. So, yes, I loved it. I felt a tiny bit awkward as we were about to cross live from Fox Football. I thought I might just tiptoe backwards (laughs) a little bit so I'm not part of the playing group. But then, then just the way that he spoke and the way that the playing group and the staff that were in the room looked at him, they are on the same page. And you often hear a player say, we play for our coach. Now, whether they play for him or not, he's a part of the group. It's not an us versus them mentality. You know, the coaches and the players, you win or you lose. They're all in it together. So just to summarise what Luke Beveridge was speaking about, and they had obviously had focuses throughout the week. The theme was obviously a very big part of it, again, as we've touched on already uh, today. But he had basically four dot points. But one of his biggest ones was how it related to them within a football competitive landscape. And he nailed a couple of them. But then he spoke about sacrifice and he spoke about losing people along the way. And he referenced those injured boys. And one of them caught me off guard. It was Chili. He kept on referencing Chili. I'm thinking, who the hell is this Chili man? It turns out it's Tim English, which has a funny... Why? Well, I had to follow up and I said, who's this Chili guy you're speaking of? I knew Dunks and I knew Jongi. And I'm thinking, Chili? I said, the only guy that got uh, other bloke that got injured was Tim English. So I followed up. His nickname is Chili because in a meeting when he has to speak or gets asked a question, he goes bright red. <laughs> so <laughs> I bad. enjoy that. I love that about football clubs as well. But he, he mentioned a few times about guys that turned their night around. They contributed. And what it said to me was they're preparing for finals. They're preparing for the last day in September when you're not going well. How can you have a great outcome for the club? Well, they've tasted it once in recent times and throughout this season we'll be counting down the most unbelievable moments in footy history for Furphy refreshing ale. Unbelievable. Marcus Bontempelli's goal at the climax of that preliminary final will easily sit in there and the Dogs winning the flag a week later. So they're giving themselves a chance again, but when we recount the great moments from footy history, the recent Bulldogs will be part of that. Furphy refreshing ale. Unbelievable. Well, we're up to speed on what What's transpiring this Saturday in footy? Collingwood in isolation, awaiting the all clear to get back to work and play 
on Anzac Day tomorrow. West Coast got that early this morning, so they're going to take to Kidinia Park shortly. GMHBA Stadium down the highway in a high-stakes encounter. There's a beautiful match set up for tonight, and that's when Melbourne and Richmond meet on Anzac Eve at the MCG and the pageantry. That's the commemoration that has come to surround that. And Tony Cochran has told us that it's dopey that we're not playing on Thursday night every week. So we're well into our work on Crunch Time. Jared Waitley and Sam Edmund, Nick Del Santo and Craig Jennings with all the current issues of footy on the table. So let's flip a coin. Carlton or Collingwood? Carlton or Collingwood? Where shall we start? Let's Coll- go with Collingwood. All right. Collingwood. New president. It doesn't represent a significant change. It represents some sort of transition not absolutely smooth but but here we are if Collingwood's looking for its future its next identity post the Eddie Maguire era can they find it with the construct that they've gone with well first of all I'll pose this one back to you just before we get into that does it have to be the president does the next president have to have the influential public representation as Eddie does if you are trying to find that focal point and that Someone for us to reference, yeah. I guess. Does it have to be the president as they introduce a new one? No, but they're not an anonymous footy club, mm. Collingwood. So they are. They may very well be the biggest footy club in the land. So if you have a relatively anonymous president, that's, that doesn't fit. But they actually have policy decisions to make. So they need just... They need strong direction as to what they intend to do. In the light of a whole matter, manner, you can take it for the, the, no be, the, the Do Better report or you can take the Buckley contract and everything that spreads in between. They have to set a new platform for themselves and that has to come from the president, I think, mm. and his, his or her board. And then it's implemented by the chief executive who'll become a more public figure. And Graham Wright's obviously going to be a linchpin in all of this. And well, he should be, although he doesn't want the sole responsibility of the Buckley contract, clearly. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was, that was a very good answer when he was as shocked as a few others that right, he's going to have to be a part of that. I think however they go, however they go about it, it's always going to be on the shadow for a period of time of Eddie. And it's like when a captain finishes up, but they're still at that football club and that next captain's trying to emerge and actually have their own identity and their own ideas within the group, knowing that the big brother is still overseeing everything. But maybe this is the best thing for them at this time. Maybe this is the best way that a new president, a new administration around them making big decisions that you get to make the decision on a senior coach. You get to make the decision on a do-better report and actually significantly change the direction of a football club. Maybe this is the best thing that they could actually ask for after Eddie Maguire. So it's volatile, Sam. Is Craig Kelly's declaration didn't come by accident. The late run for Jeff Brown, I would suggest married up with the fact that one of the candidates wasn't pursuing the presidency anymore. So the faction on the outside thought, no, we don't like the way that this is going. I guess I would put on the table here, if Collingwood lose tomorrow and go one and five, does this really spark? Or will the unrest last the duration of the season? Well, Mark Corder isn't just under the shadow of Eddie Maguire. He's under the shadow of Jeff Brown. That hasn't gone anywhere. The forces that would have him installed as president via an emergency general meeting are well and truly alive. And just having a look, 
uh, at the Herald Sun, Francis Galbally is the latest influential person to to pledge his allegiance to Jeff Brown as well. So if they thought that by putting Mark Corder in the chair was just going to make this go away, Collingwood, it certainly hasn't. It's rumbling away behind the scenes. Whether another defeat would bring it on as they are known to do remains to be seen. It might not even need that, Jared, at the moment. No, as I suspect it doesn't go away, but I wonder if falling to one and five causes Heightens it to go. As every sense, yep. Because you sort of have to pick your moment with these things, don't you? Well, and exactly. the unrest. And, and you strike, don't you? But it doesn't take a lot to force an emergency general meeting. On paper, if it's 100 signatures at Collingwood, there's a lot more in extension to that that would make it difficult and the unrest that's attached to it. But... Jesus, well and truly alive, the forces that would have Jeff Brown in the chair. When the time comes, how do they judge Nathan Buckley and whether it's a new contract for him or whether his time is coming to an end? Well, I think it's almost like Nathan has to go in and present like he's uh, or or going for the job in a sense. So my personal opinion is he's a great coach. He's the man for the job. But we're in, or he's in uncharted waters in the sense that I don't think anyone's coached at one club for 10 years without winning a premiership. So I'd like to see him uh, go to the board, the football manager, and say, uh, this is what it looks like going forward for this particular, for this team, the team I have. This is what I need. And this is the support that I'm going to bring in around me. So... I think he needs to bring in fresh ideas. I think they're um, very short in the coach's box. So I love their Monday to Friday. I love their planning. Everything that Buck says post-game, I think he's absolutely spot on. But I see uh, decisions they make on match day that I don't think competes with the Chris Scotts and the Adam Simpsons and the Bevos. So mm. I'd like to see him get some support around him in that sense. And Carlton have given us a bit of a, mo- a model in a sense with a consultant. I think there's great opportunities for consultants in the game at the moment. Maybe Graham Wright brings somebody in that can observe the coach's box, the match day decision making for three or four weeks, and then they've got more information to make an assessment going forward. Do you think that would undermine a man that you've just described as a very good coach? And sometimes I think we get caught up and you have to win a premiership to be a good coach. He's a good coach, Nathan Buckley. We accept that. He's been really close a handful of times. Does that actually show some concern if they were to bring in that consultancy sort of role? Yeah, I guess externally it can. But what I know about coaching, coaching is a hunger for learning and it's about being open-minded and it's about continually uh, finding new ideas. Now, as a coach, you're so busy with the day-to-day operations that it's hard to come up with new ideas. And if you think about a coaching team, and there's five or six coaches, and you're working together all day, every day, eventually you start seeing the game the same way and thinking the game about the game the same way. So I think if they get an expert in just to look at different areas, it's actually a powerful thing, and it's something that um, coaches that are really uh, have high self-belief like Bucks does, they can really embrace that. This is the crunch for Bet With Joel, Australia's number one tipping service gamble responsibly, one 800 I'm just thinking about the Buckley scenario this this year and how it's going to play out. So I see three options. He's no longer the senior coach. They give him a short contract, which we could probably assume would be like the trial, or they lock him in for a longer term and they say, you are our man. Rebuild or whatever descriptive word you want to say where the pies list is at right now. What do you think is best for the club? If it is Buckley and it's a short one and maybe the two-year sort of number, or is it in their best interest as a club going forward? change, significant change above him within the board level to go for and say, hey, we're going to back you in again. Here's the next three years. Which way do you see that with the list and what's best for them? That's a fantastic question. So as you're talking then straight away, I think 
there's no half measures here. He's either in or he's out. But that's why I think he needs to sell to them and, and re-energise and rejuvenate with new people around him and, and new experts and new ideas. So for me, um, having I know he's anyone that's coached against him knows he's a very, very good coach. So for me, he's the man for the job. And the other part of your question is, well, on the outside – who's the next one in line to come in. So there's certain clubs where you can get a lower profile coach or you get a lower profile coach and have a really strong director of coaching or mentor around them. But with the Collingwoods and the Essendons, um, I think you just need a, a coach with big presence and there's not many of those out there. Did Carlton hurt their coach, David Teague, with the announcement of John Warsfold as his mentor? It's a little bit like the conversation we're just mm. talking about, whether it's a step back. And I think it's on probably David Teague to accept it in the way that he's probably taking it on board. Is it, as you've just mentioned, Craig, about just a thirst of knowledge and having a man like John Warsfold that's been there and done that and seen the world from a different perspective, been in the hot seat, and he's accepting to it. I want to learn all about that. Help me and we'll do it together and I'll be better for the experience. Or, and I know the Chris Judd, going back a couple of years, the training wheel sort of story and that line's coming out as well. I think it's all dependent on how Teague takes it. And he yep. appears to have taken it quite well. They've yep. got a relationship. Obviously, it happens with his approval, I would have thought. Surely, Jared, happens with David Teague's approval. Yeah, well, the, the concept is to give him the best possible chance to succeed. And if we're all about putting the right people around, fresh ideas and concepts, and if they have an existing relationship that might have been informal anyway... As David Teague points out, why not make it formal? But C- Carlton clearly misread how this was going to land. Play. I was going to say, it might yeah. be the right decision, but how it looks via the optics, the timing was, was interesting, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, if they're four and one, did it happen? Yes. So well, and, mm. and they have that, they're Chris Judd's own words, yep. and he's still there making the decisions. They have that uncomfortable past around training wheels, and that's been the default position to return the conversation. So it makes me feel less sure about David Teague. So I've said numerous times, I I just cannot see how his position is under scrutiny this year. I think it would be a cowardly decision. And yet it, that, it softens my hard view on that. Mm. Yeah, I understand the optics and maybe the club misread it. But, um, you know, I know David Teague personally way back from the North Melbourne days when he was a supplementary player. And uh, what I would say, and, and we spoke uh, in the level four program just Thursday night, the, the same day that uh, the, the news broke. And uh, what I can say is that every AFL coach has a mentor. Sometimes it's formally and sometimes it's informally. Okay. So as a coach, there's no coach in the history of the game that knows everything. So you're looking for information and, and some support outside your football club. Um, and the other part of mentors are serial winning coaches in any sport around the world. They see having a mentor as an indicator of success. So I personally think it's a great move. Um, they, people will have different opinions of who the right person is. So one of the things that I try and do is put myself in that situation. If I'm a senior coach, I don't think I need a mentor, but I want one. So if I ever landed a job, my first phone call is going to Ross Lyon and Paul Ruse because I want the best people around me to help me. Now, I don't necessarily need them to win, but I want them. And so I feel like that would be the conversation in Carlton. And the other part of that is the consultancy part. I think uh, it's a direction that all football clubs should go to. You need to leave a little bit of room uh, in the salary cap. And then when you get to a certain point in the season – 
bring in the expert that can help you with a certain part of your game plan or your game style or your leadership. Or if you know you're about to play Richmond in a grand final or you've got to get through them, bring in an expert to study them for six weeks. So this concept around consulting, uh, I think, is a very positive thing for the industry. The crunch for bet with Joel. Transparent results driven sports tips. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. There's a remarkable VFL game involving Carlton happening at the moment. I tell you what, if the senior team took a leaf out of the VFL team's books, Jared, it'd be a far different conversation. Carlton Blues, Brisbane Lions reserves at Icon Park. The Blues rattled off 12 goals one in the first quarter. 12 goals to three at quarter time it was. The Brisbane Lions responded in the second quarter with the first six goals of the game. <laughs> we have just had a 24-goal half, Jared, at Icon Park. Either we're witnessing one of the most freakish games or there is an absolute cyclone blowing <laughs> to the old Heatley stand It doesn't look like there's much of a breeze no. outside. Just very quickly, Jared, the AFL's released a statement which obviously confirms that West Coast players have all tested um, clear for COVID-19. That match against Geelong obviously going ahead in an hour's time. But they're saying supporters who have entered Victoria from the Perth metro area and the Peel region of WA since April 17, must immediately self-isolate as well, get a coronavirus test and stay isolated until they receive a negative result. So they're saying here the AFL supporters must not attend games in Victoria this weekend if you've been in the Perth metro area since April 17, unless they can confirm, provide proof that they have a negative COVID test result. So if you've flown over just for this game in the last 24 hours, you're going to have to bin those plans, unfortunately. You're listening to Crunch Time. Who needs a rever for Harley Heaven? The Harley-Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. The Harley Heaven rev up sits with Geelong for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson. Plays out on a few fronts. The way that they're playing, the long-term injury for Patrick Dangerfield. But what we are about to see, the past two Coleman medalists in the same forward line, Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron, get their first look at life together down at GMHBA Stadium inside the hour. Looking forward to it. We may be able to get a, an early sign on who's the biggest bull in the paddock out of these two. <laughs> Who gets priority and who's the one to say, just give me a little bit of space. I think there'll be some teething problems with this, and it's always, I think it's natural to try and just find your space, and particularly on this ground, that might complicate it a little bit more. And as much as they've trained together over the summer, even though there's been lapses through injury, I found from my personal experience, it was four to six weeks until you actually had that continuity and understanding almost without thinking about space and whose opportunity it was to go for the football. I must say, it's an exciting prospect to have that and it's a it's an absolute daunting task if you're trying to plan for this from a defensive point of view particularly the back six about who takes who at what particular time but you know what and this is a bit more of a generic chat but good on the cats for going all chips in I, I like the bravery and the boldness of it off the back of last year we're here to win flags and why not just give it everything you've got until you can't do it anymore so I like the move I'm just, I'd give it a little bit of time, is what I'm saying. I don't expect it to click straight away today. I love the combination. So it brings me back to my childhood football memory, memories, and you got Dunstall and Derm, and, and more recently, uh, Lloyd and Lucas. And, and what I learned listening to those guys was that um, they were very team first and very unselfish working together. So if one of them looked at the other and said, I've got my opponent today, they would get out of the way for them. And so one week, one would kick five, and then it might swap the following week. So, um, And you spoke about 
it's really hard to plan for. So what it's doing is occupying the minds in match committee of the opposition team and on match day, because often in football, you can stop one, but it's difficult to find uh, an opponent to stop the second in any area of the ground. So if you've got two running halfbacks, it's hard to find two forwards to stop, and it's the same at this end of the ground. And arguably, there's been no better team in the last 10 or so years about sharing the football, giving the football yeah. and the forward 50 to a person in the better position. They were very unselfish, and they've been famous for that. I wouldn't be surprised today if they go out of their way to help Jeremy Cameron. Yeah, and I think you just touched on it. Like, Rewalt, his team first stuff, and when Lynch came in, Rewalt just went to another level. So I'm now thinking, yeah, Tom Hawkins is really going to embrace having a teammate that can take some pressure off him. What, what does it do? What's the ripple effect, though? So I'm thinking Gary Rowan, the host of small sort of forwards that they've got, but that sort of hybrid sort of guy, does that squeeze that out a little bit, knowing that the two big guys are so dominant. You don't need Dangerfield there like he has in patches last year. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think as coaches, um, Geelong won't know the answer to that yet. So you explore and, and there's a thing that comes out of Silicon Valley where it's about test and learn. So you just try something and if it works, you keep it. And if it doesn't work, you you reflect and you enhance or you adjust or you adapt. So I don't think the Geelong coaching group will know exactly what they're going to get yet or what their best look is. But what are we at? We're going to round six and, and this year is going to be a long season compared to what we, we went through last year. The way things are going though, Jared, those balls might get a little bit cold in that paddock. I mean, if I'm Jeremy Cameron and I'm watching, I'm thinking, geez, they'd want to move the ball a little bit quicker than this. I mean, I'm not so much worried about those two inside 50. I'm worried about what's been happening up the ground. I mean, they've the, a top score of 91. They've scored an 81, 69, 60, and a 77, moving the ball at treacle speed. Yep. And so the, the, the whole question around them sits is, is that who they were because they didn't have what they wanted? And now that they've got it, it'll be different. And I, We'll need a couple of weeks to answer that. Your instincts were spot on with Patrick Dangerfield. It's yeah. surgery. So they've they've said indefinite. It's an eight-week timeline, but because of Dangerfield's recuperative abilities, they actually don't want to set it out that far as opposed to it being it's going to be longer than eight. I think quietly they're hopeful it'll be less than eight. Yeah. But, of course, you can't make promises in this space, and a lot will depend on how he recovers and what happens from there. But history says he recovers quickly, as you say. Eight weeks was always the worst-case scenario on the operation. So hopefully... For his sake, for their sake, he gets back sooner rather than later. Maybe it's a, a six-week syndesmosis and he gets back to hopefully find a Geelong side still well and truly in contention at the pointy end. Well, that's their – so their task is to stay viable for when he returns and to hopefully have ironed out some of what they're doing, which Chris Scott sort of owns up to without specifying, is that they are not playing in the manner that they're trying to play. Yeah, well, in recent years, they've been one of the slowest teams off the half-back line, very conservative. They go wide, they go slow, they hold hold the ball up. And whether the game has changed again, Jerry, and I was speaking to someone from Richmond during the week, they said, we're changing right now. Or we are definitely not who we will be at the end of the year. And they may change again throughout the year. And I, it made me think about the Cats because we've respected and loved their defence. Some players move on that have had a significant impact in their structure. And you just wonder, have they been playing to their personnel? But is their personnel now changed? They've got speed in the front half. You've got two two good fellas in the forward half that can kick you those goals. Whether their best tactic going forward is to maybe give up a few more going back the other way but you're going to score a lot more when you're more attacking. So there's a lot to digest in crunch time. You can now have your say on the open line, one 736 736 for Southern Phone. Amazing new mobile SIM deals 
from Southern Phone. The events of last night, the Bulldogs six in a row and now awaiting Richmond. The COVID disruptions happening around the country. The Collingwood scenario with Nathan Buckley and the leadership at the club. Carlton, Geelong, we're yet to get to Melbourne and Richmond's no Thursday night footy. It's all there for you to dissect. one 736 736 as we look towards Saturday afternoon football, Geelong and West Coast and the Suns and the Swans. This is Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It's been crunch time thanks to the Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships stocking the all-new Nissan Navara built tough.